You're listening to Worship Life Radio with Pastor Holland Davis of Calvary Chapel San Clemente on today's edition. You don't realize that it's not just for you. First of all, we worship Him because He's worthy to receive it. But secondly, there are people watching us and we are witnesses testifying through our actions of His goodness. That's why if it seems good to serve the Lord, serve the Lord. If it doesn't seem good to serve the Lord, as Joshua said, find someone else to serve. Worshiping the Lord is a gift. It's a gift for you as an individual and also a gift to others watching you. We all worship something, every single one of us. That's because we were created for worship. If we don't rightly fill the void with God, then we fill the void with other things that bring us short-lived pleasure. As Pastor Holland reminds us today, first of all, we serve a God worthy of worship. Secondly, when you worship Him, you set an example. Others will seek and find Him because of you. Let's join Pastor Holland in the book of Exodus chapter 13 as he continues his message, So Great is Salvation, part 5. Something to keep in mind also when Paul was writing the New Testament and was quoting scripture, where was he quoting it from? Most likely the Septuagint. He was quoting it from the Greek translation, which is why sometimes you read it and it's a little different because it translates a little differently when you go from Hebrew to Greek. And so most likely Paul was quoting out of the Septuagint. And so keep in mind also then as he is bringing these concepts, these Hebrew concepts into Greek, he's trying to find words that match what those concepts are. And that's a very important thing for us to recognize because I'll give you one example. The word propitiation, which we've talked about many times. The word propitiation, when, when you take it at face value, it means that, you know, basically that the wrath of God was poured out on Jesus. That all of the wrath for all of the sin of all, of all time was poured out on Jesus. And all the reformed people will just take that definition and run with it and make all kinds of doctrines off of that one concept. But... When you go to the Hebrew, what you find out is that word propitiation in the Hebrew is mercy seat. And it has to do with the Ark of the Covenant. And it has a completely new level of meaning that isn't covered in the Greek. It goes even deeper. And when you put the two together, then you get a complete picture of what Jesus did for us on the cross that he is our mercy seat. And that's why Paul says you can go to him to receive mercy because he is your mercy seat. It was above the mercy seat where the presence of God spoke to the people. You want to hear the voice of God? Go to Jesus because he's your mercy seat. It's there that God will speak to you. There's so much more to it. So much more to it when you get down into the different layers. Fourth term in Exodus 12, 6, Israel is referred to as the assembly. The assembly. In Hebrew, it's kehal. And it conveys the idea of assembling together, gathering together for religious purposes. We're not just gathering just because we like each other, although we do like each other. You know, we're not gathering just to have fellowship, although we love to have fellowship. But we're gathering together for a purpose, and that purpose is to worship the Lord. It's a gathering together to worship the Lord. And in Exodus 12, uh, the purpose that we're told is that the nation is to gather together to celebrate Passover, to worship the Lord, to celebrate Passover. They gather to sacrifice the Passover lamb. 
And so every time you see the word sacrifice in the scriptures, you need to think worship. That's what he's talking about. He's talking about worship. Sacrifice is worship. Festivals are, are celebrations of worship. So worship is all through the Old Testament. They gather to remember when God delivered them out of Egypt. That's the purpose of Passover today. That's the purpose of worship. To remember and celebrate God's mighty power. And as we celebrate who he is and what he has done, we receive revelation about who God is. God begins to reveal more of who he is to us. You know, it's as I've grown in worship that God has done the most significant works in my life. It's in times of worship that God has spoken to me. It's in times of worship that God has restored my soul, that God has restored my heart, that God has healed me, that God has, has, uh, has brought comfort to me. It's in these times of worship where he reveals him, where I begin to remember him. But I want to reveal to you something even greater about this word assembly. I just talked to you about when you take the Hebrew and you're trying to bring it into the Greek. What does it mean? Well, in the Septuagint, the word assembly is translated ecclesia. Ecclesia. Now, those of you who are Greek scholars, Bible students, you already know where I'm going. That word ecclesia in the New Testament is translated church. Church. So, for those of you who thought that the church was Paul's idea in the New Testament, here it is in the Old Testament, in the book of Exodus. Right here, they had church. They gathered together for the purpose of worshiping God. So the first place we see the church mentioned is not in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 2. It's in the book of Exodus here, in Exodus chapter 13. The assembly of Israel. Stephen said before he was murdered in Acts chapter 7, this is he who was in the congregation. The ecclesia in the wilderness with the angel who spoke to him on Mount Sinai and with our fathers, the one who received the living oracles to us. He's speaking about Jesus, whom our fathers would not obey, but rejected. And in their hearts, they turned back to Egypt. And so what is Stephen talking about? He's talking about the assembly of Israel in Exodus 13. He's saying that it was there when God was in the midst of the assembly, when Jesus himself was in the midst of the assembly, the congregation, the church of Israel. And how was he in the midst of the assembly? He was there by the cloud by day and the fire by night. He was present amongst his people. That's the presence of God. And so when we look at who we are as a church, and when we gather together as a church, the church is the assembly that gathers together to worship the Lord. And guess what? The Lord is in our midst. The Lord is here. He is present. And there's purpose to our gathering together to honor him. To remember what he's done, to glorify him. Jesus said in Matthew 18, where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am with them in my presence. Now, many people quote this and say, well, I can have church in my living room. It's like, no, you can't. Because that's not the biblical definition of, a, of an assembly. David, when he talked about worship, he says, in, I will sing in the great congregation, in the great assembly. 
It's when you're gathered together with other believers. That's church. That's the assembly. Anything else is not. In fact, if you want to be technical about it, God was very specific about how he was worshipped and where he was worshipped. And he would tell people, if you see someone kind of worshipping on their own, building their own altar, worshipping me in their own way, stone them. He was very picky about it. And we actually have an example of that happening. We're going to get to it in the scriptures. We don't just worship the Lord how we feel like. We don't just worship the Lord wherever we want to. He has prescribed a way for us to worship. Why? We'll ask him when we see him. I think it's because he made us for fellowship, not for isolation. And people that want to isolate, people that want to split off into their own factions, their own groups, they, they want to divide off. God's not for that. He wants to unify, bring together. He wants to bring together the congregation, to bring together the assembly to worship him. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, 26, how, how is it then, brethren, whenever you come together, each of you has a psalm, has a teaching, has a tongue, has a revelation, has an interpretation. Let all things be done for edification. See, when we gather together, we're there for one another. We're there to encourage one another. You know, when I look out and I see people worshiping the Lord, it encourages me. It strengthens me. And that's what it happens when we gather together and we, we're, we're worshiping the Lord together. We look across the room and it's like, oh man, that, there's a guy, he's struggling and look how he's worshiping the Lord. It's an encouragement to us all. And so when you come, pray. Be ready. God may give you a scripture for someone. God may give you a word of encouragement for someone. And so be ready to give it. Why? What's, our, what's their purpose behind it? To edify, to build up one another. Now there's one more word that's used to describe Israel. And it's the word army. Army. In Exodus 12, 51, it says, And it came to pass on that very same day that the Lord brought the children of Israel out of the land of Egypt according to their armies. And like all armies, the church is under orders. The church is under orders. We are well equipped for war. We've been given the weapons of warfare. We have a commander. His name is Jesus. And we're all under his command. Paul said to the Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians 10, Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. To Tim Timothy, he wrote in 2 Timothy 2, You therefore must endure hardship as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one engaged in warfare entangles himself with the affairs of this life that he may please him who has enlisted him as a soldier. And here's the truth. Whether you want to accept it or not, we are in a spiritual battle. You, are, you and I are in a war. And this battle is real. And there are real casualties. The primary place that this battle takes place is in the mind. It's a battle in the mind. 
Paul mentions strongholds. That word stronghold means fortified places. But those strongholds are areas of unbelief, lies that we believe, walls of protection that we have built in our lives to keep us from being hurt. God wants to tear them down because he is our defense. He is our strong tower. He doesn't want anything else competing for what he does. He wants to be that for us. He mentions arguments. That word arguments are rules of logic. Those logical conclusions that you arrive at that deny the revelation of God. Worship Life Radio with Holland Davis will continue right after this. Hi, this is Holland Davis, and I'm the pastor of Calvary Chapel in San Clemente. And I just want to take a moment and invite you to come and visit us at one of our Sunday morning services or to our midweek Bible study. Calvary Chapel San Clemente is a Jesus people community right here in the city of San Clemente, California. You know, we identify with our roots in the Jesus movement because that's where I came to Christ. And of course, that's where Calvary Chapel was born. When you come to our church, you're going to find a church that loves to worship the Lord with song. We love to study God's word verse by verse, and we love to share the love of God with other people. If that's the kind of church you're looking for, consider visiting us. You can find out all about us online at calvarysancomeni.org. We look forward to worshiping with you soon, and may God richly bless you. Now, let's continue with today's edition of Worship Life Radio. When someone says, God can do this, you say, well, you know, and you give a logical conclusion to dispel it. When someone says, God wants to bless you abundantly more than you could ever think or or ask. Oh, well, I'm not one of those name it, claim it guys. I didn't say you were. I was just quoting the scripture. And you have a logical argument built up against it. That's an argument that is a spiritual place of battle. I recently watched a video of Derek Webb, and Derek Webb was the founding member of a Dove Award-winning Christian group called Cademan's Call. And uh, he is, uh, comes from a very Reformed background. Uh, and he committed adultery, and his marriage ended in divorce. Uh, And rather than repent, rather than accept what he did and repent, he logically concluded because of his Reformed theology that he was no longer chosen for heaven. He must be chosen for hell. So he thought he was a Christian. He thought he had, you know, gone to church, done all the right things, said all the right things. But God is sovereign. He's in control. And obviously I did these things. And if God didn't want me to do these things, he would have stopped me. And he didn't. So therefore, he concluded that he is a vessel fashioned for judgment. I'm just one of the bad guys. I thought I was a good guy. found out I'm a bad guy, and there's no convincing me of that. I'm a dead man in the grave. Unless the Lord resurrects me himself, I will die a dead man. And so through Reformed theology, he has logically concluded his faith was never real, and he now denies Jesus. That is an argument. Reformed theology are arguments against who God really is. You see, we're in a battle, and we can't be caught up in the affairs of this world. 
There are things that keep us from knowing God through his word. Coming to church, coming to Bible study. It's all spiritual warfare, and it's real. It's real. How do we fight against it? By bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Yes, pray. I'm not saying don't pray. But after you pray, obey. Obey God's word. Because it's in the ordinary, simple obedience of God's word that the enemy is defeated in our lives. When God says, light shouldn't have anything to do with dark. Don't go hang out with dark. Stay with the light. There's so much that happens that's good in the light. And there comes a point in time when we have to decide, do we trust God? Do we trust God with our futures? Do we trust God that he's going to get us into college, not a scholarship for playing baseball or soccer or anything else? If that's what God has for us. Do we trust God that he's going to lead us through into promotions and all the things we, we think we have to do all these things to get ahead and we put him on the back burner and we don't trust that he's the one that actually is blessing us and promoting us and moving us forward? Do we not trust him in that? And that's where the warfare happens. It's a battle of belief. Do I really believe? And so we see the church revealed in the book of Exodus. It's the place where God's purposes are fulfilled. What is the purpose of our gathering together to worship the Lord and to to hear his word and to be encouraged to serve him, to love one another, to love Jesus? It's a family. We're a family. That's why I tell people we're not a community. We're better than a community. We're a family. You have to be born into this family. You have to be born again to be part of this family. And we're united together with all other members of our family and all other places by our Heavenly Father. It's a community of witnesses that we can testify of the saving power of God in our lives. We all have testimonies. It'll blow your mind. How many different miracle stories are in this room? It's a community of worshipers, the body of Christ in the world, worshiping the Lord. There's something powerful When an unbeliever walks in and sees people loving God. When I was a young worship leader in Vista, we would just worship the Lord. And there was a a Jewish woman that had come in, not a believer. And she just sat and looked around at all the people. And how we were just eyes closed. Everyone was singing. Everyone had their hands raised. Everyone was just in the presence. It was just having an encounter with Jesus. They were just in the midst of this encounter with Jesus. And afterwards, she came up, and and I shared something. I wrote a song, and so I shared the song. I shared a story about the song and how, you know, I I was just seeing God's creation, how beautiful it was, and, and this song was inspired. And so she came up and talked to me afterwards. She goes, you know, I'm in here. I don't, I'm Jewish, But I'm looking at all you guys worship God as if he's real. And then I heard you talk about him as if it was true. And I said, he is real. And it is true. And you can know him. Do you want to? And she said, yes. And so we had the privilege of leading one of God's people 
into the kingdom of heaven. You think you're just there and it's like you're bummed out, like, oh, when is this service going to get over? He talks too long. I'm hungry. My stomach's growling. No one can hear me. Or I don't feel like worshiping the Lord today. He wasn't good enough. He didn't come through enough for me this week. You don't realize that it's not just for you. First of all, we worship him because he's worthy to receive it. But secondly, there are people watching us and we are witnesses testifying through our actions of his goodness. That's why if it seems good to serve the Lord, serve the Lord. If it doesn't seem good to serve the Lord, as Joshua said, find someone else to serve. Find someone you like to serve better. Let them take care of you and see if they do as good a job as God does. But I'm going to serve the Lord because I'm smart. I know he's that good. It's a community of citizens of heaven. We're under the law of the spirit of life, entitled to the rights and privileges of heaven. It's an army under the command of Jesus. It's a special people. And so the church is not a building. It's not a place we come to. The church is a people. A people have been called out of the world. We're the called out ones. That's what ecclesia means, the called out ones. And I could have gone all the way back to Abraham and showed you all the verses where God called out Abraham, called out Isaac and Jacob and called them out of where they were into where he wanted them to be to show you how profound this word is. You'll have to do your own homework. But we're called out for a purpose, to worship and serve the Lord. And as I said, this isn't a church you can join. It's a church you have to be born into. Have I been born into the family of God? Am I born again? God isn't mean. He doesn't judge people and send them to hell. I heard people say that he's a God of wrath. God has never sent one person to hell. People send themselves to hell by rejecting God, by rejecting his promise, by rejecting the offer, the invitation to have relationship with him. God wants everyone to go to heaven. You might say, well, I have to see it to believe it. Well, the interesting thing about Christianity is that if you're waiting to see it before you believe it, you may wait a long time. It's something you have to believe, trust. And so it really comes down to one thing. Why don't you trust? What keeps you from trusting? What keeps you from trusting him? Friends, we want you to know how special you are to us, but more importantly, we want you to know how special you are to God. God loves you, and He gave everything for you so that you could have eternal life. His Son Jesus died on the cross for your sins so that you could be forgiven and you could know that you're going to spend eternity in heaven. Why don't you pray this simple prayer, mean it with all your heart, and make that decision to surrender your life to Jesus Christ, to say, Jesus, I surrender to you. Forgive me for living my life without you. 
I don't want to live without you anymore. I want to live for you. Forgive me for breaking your law and fill me with your Holy Spirit and give me the power to live for you all the days of my life. And if you pray that prayer, you can have the assurance that you're going to spend eternity with Jesus in heaven. And I look forward to spending that eternity with you. You've been listening to Worship Life Radio with Pastor Holland Davis. As we wrap up today's message, we want to give you the opportunity to partner with us in ministry. This radio broadcast is, in a way, a virtual mission field. We're praying that every time a message is shared, someone's heart is drawn to Jesus. We pray for grace to be known and for lives to be changed. Would you join us in lifting up your fellow listeners to the Lord? Ask God to protect them and draw them closer with each moment they listen. There's one more way you can partner with us too. Would you prayerfully consider financially supporting Worship Life Radio? Every amount given, no matter the size, will be used to spread the gospel message. And we're so grateful for it. You can find out more and donate securely online at calvarysanclemente.org. Just click on Give. Thanks for partnering with us here at Worship Life Radio. Do you live in the San Clemente area? If so, we'd love to have you join us for worship at Calvary Chapel San Clemente. We meet every Sunday at 8 and 10 a.m. And we have a Bible study on Thursdays at 6.30 p.m. that you're welcome to be a part of too. Come for a time of singing praises, learning from the Bible, and being with your brothers and sisters in Christ. If you can't come in person just yet, that's okay. You can still be a part of our church online through our website. Find out more at calvarysanclemente.org. That's all the time we have for today. Thanks for tuning in. And be sure to join us next time for another edition of Worship Life Radio. Every one of us is on a journey of grace. God wants you to be free and full of joy. Pastor Holland's message series, A Journey of Grace, will help you discover how to live the abundant life that Jesus promises to give you today. Order your personal copy of A Journey of Grace at worshipliferadio.com.